Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Projectiles of bull semen? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rounder right side. Under the glove of Sanchez. Polanco will score. And the Twins are on the board. An 0-2 single. That's a 2-1 ball game. All right, let's let's dive let's dive in. Before we get to Sage Football Wisdom, which by the way will now be on Thursdays. Sage travels a lot on Fridays and like we said, you know what? When you're laid back hanging out at home on a Thursday, we'll we'll, we'll talk to you on a Thursday. We don't want you driving around on a phone. So we're going to we're going to have some fun with Sage Rosenfels and do some Sage Football Wisdom here in about 15 or 20, but explain to me, Judd Zolgad, what was the the main point you were trying to make on scorenorth.com about Eddie Rosario getting thrown out at third base because oh. I read it to be and we and we had we had you on the Scornorth twin show earlier today. Yeah, that was fun. Mostly so Glenn could uh, poke holes in your theory, but but what we didn't get to on that was I read it to be you saying Rocco Baldelli is running the risk of inmates running the asylum and that like wheels are going to come off if he doesn't punish Eddie Rosario. For loafing out of the batter's box. No, I, I would just, I would have immediately yanked him from that game last night. This is not a, this is not a Rocco's going to lose the team by any means. But my God, and and by the way, thank you. I, I would like to issue a sincere thank you, NBC Sports Chicago, home of the White Sox, because I know you're going to be shocked by this news. Fox Sports North did not show this. NBC, Actually, we can pull this if if you can go to Twitter. What's the Twitter? It's NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, it's on. Uh, from it's last night. actually scorenorth.com, My story. It's oh. also embedded in there. Just click on that. Steve Stone, marvelous baseball analyst, does a great job, and they isolate it. And I didn't because I, I was not at the game last night. I didn't realize until I saw this um, from him at home plate that he hit that ball to right field and stood there and watched it, and he watched it. And then he's like, oh my gosh, it's going to hit the wall. So he takes off. Now, I know he's far from the first person to do so. But this has been a continuing problem with him. And the other issue is he then compounds it by thinking to himself, I'm going to make the third out. I'm going to stretch this and potentially make the third out at third base. Listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. Two nights ago, the Twins beat the White Sox in extras. And yes, it was a fun game. But that game bothered me because the bullpen imploded. It was it was uh, 5 nothing, and then it was 5-5. Five, five. And after that, the Twins won, and that's fine. But last night, up until Rosario's stunt there, that game actually didn't. Oda Rizzi had a, sol- a solid start, Phil, which is very important. 
Um, the Twins didn't hit. But if the Twins don't hit, guess what? They're just going to lose, okay? I'm looking for things that are going to cost you playoff games. Okay. The stunt Rosario pulled last night, which he's done before, so this is not a one-off, could cost you a playoff game. Rosario did not hustle out of the box, and it's a good thing for the Sox. He poses. If he's hustling, there's no play at third base. Now, you know not to make the third out at third. That's one thing. But only then does he heat it up. And, I mean, he's been doing this all series. And apparently the Twins are fine with it. This could cost him a ball game in the grand scheme of things. It might not keep him out of the division title. But you've got to hustle out of the box, whether you think it's a home run or not. And that one was very costly. Great play by Adam Engel all the way. This reminds me, by the way, I used to used to watch Steve Stone growing up with the Chicago Cubs. So, him and, so and did Gary, man. He was Long great. before you, yeah, he was great. And fantastic. he used to do that, but instead of <laughs> the opposing team, he'd be doing that to Cubs players. Yep. And that's eventually why Steve Stone was no longer the color commentator for the Cubs because the Dusty Baker Cubs players all banded together and said, this guy's too negative. He's calling mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'm not going to sound the alarm. This has been, by the way, who Eddie Rosario is. He's been this way since the minors. I mean, I heard stories, sort of prima donna type stories about him in the minor leagues as well. Um, I think it's only a problem. Getting thrown out at third base in that spot is a bigger problem than, like, not busting it out of the batter's box. But, but how, how about the fact that you're not thrown out at third if you just run out of the batter's box? I'm, I, you I compounded the problem. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bench Eddie Rosario because I don't think that changes anything. Um, But I'm also not super thrilled that he can't just get to second base as quick as he can and then make the decision. So I'm torn because you don't you don't want to just like you don't want to make him mad and do something that's that's going to like if if he's going to be who he is and you can trade him this offseason, then just like let him hit balls off the wall and do his Eddie thing. Um, sure. I would say this: if the team, if te- if the team has a problem with it, mm-hmm. and players have a problem with it, mm-hmm. and Rocco Baldelli isn't addressing it, that's a problem. That would be a problem. Well, but it, it seems like it continues to be a problem. And the thing about it is, if you're on a bad team, I hate to say this, it doesn't matter. Like if you're on the 2000, what? Take your pick, 16 Twins. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Hustle out of the box. Don't hustle. Head to the bar. I don't care. Go have a beer at the loon and then try and take third. Um, what bothers me though is I'm looking for things that in let's say let's say Yankee Stadium game two ALDS. What could cost you a game? That type of stunt. And there's no excuse for it. There's just no reason. There's no reason. There's no reason to not run. And then if you don't, don't compound it and make it worse. I get the fact that the Kepler's out, Buxton's out, so. Ultimately, the more I thought about it, benching him for like tonight's game doesn't make a ton of sense. But then fine him, do something. The one thing I don't care about is I don't care if he's mad. Because if his teammates aren't mad about that, that's on them. They should be. I would hope that Nelson Cruz or Marwin Gonzalez or somebody pulled him aside and said, dude, if you want to do this uh, starting again next March, we'll address it then. But this ends now because we are going to the playoffs and we're going to be in a play. And these playoff games, you know, Phil, if, if they play the Yankees game too, let's say it's 16-14, 16-15, that type of move could cost you that game. So what bothers me is I'm looking for things that ultimately when you get to October are fixable, correctable very quickly. This one is eminently correctable. See, Eddie is the type of dude to that he could either, in a five-game series against the Yankees, 
he could make some crazy awesome play throwing a guy out from the warning track. Oh, you're right. I, or yeah. stretching stretching, you know, he could score from second on an infield single and win you a game, right? Like he's just as capable of doing that as he is mistakenly pimping what he thinks is a home run and being on first base instead of second base and then the next hit would have scored him but now you're on first base, right? Um he's also he's also like the guy that I would look to trade this offseason. He's he's so fun to watch. He's so talented, and he I know that he just hit a career-high 31st home run, and he drove in 100 for the first time, um, but he doesn't really get on base that often. Corner outfielder. He's kind of a headache. So you could you could move him without a yeah. big step down. His, his, I don't understand his, um, his mindset, I guess, to put it kindly. I don't get it, because at times he'll make these, you're right, unbelievable plays, unbelievable throws. Throwing Boston, comes up throwing, that was fantastic. And then sometimes, both on the bases and at the plate and in the field, he'll do things, and you're like, did you really just do that? And I've jokingly said this, but I'm not entirely kidding. He comes to the plate, and target field goes nuts, right? Eddie, Eddie, and I always predict he's going to ground out, because he's trying to swing from his heels now. Now he hears his name, and he's so yeah. There's just, but this one is this one frustrated me because one, Steve Stone is a thousand percent right, and two is not now. Yeah, uh, this game, that game last night, re- really frustrated me more than the game the this night is before. Fun. This is where we flopped. You feel sides. It the other way? Okay. Yes, I definitely do. So two nights ago, I saw yeah, like giving up a five nothing lead, not ideal, but like man, they showed. Again, they just kept coming back, and they came back twice in extra innings, and they just won't go away. And those bats just keep coming at you, man. They're like the it's like the Undertaker. You, you sit up and you choke slam somebody, right? Uh, last night, and we have to go back in the archives, the Vegas archives. But the Twins were like a minus two seventy favorite to win that game last night. The Twins were like a three to one favorite in a baseball game, which is unheard of, because the the White Sox were going with uh, Johnny Holstaff. And the Twins were going with their number two starter. It was a complete and they bullpen had game for the White Sox. No hits until right. like the, the the final third of the game. Here's why it doesn't bug me: because if the hitters fold, first of all, that's been your strength all year long, right? If the hitters fold in the playoffs, you're just done. It's just over. It, if that that is your strength, and if your strength can't succeed, then it's going to be quick, easy. You're done. That's it. Okay, but. Your bullpen has proven to be, it's not great, but it's good enough to get you through now. And Rosario last I night. I actually think your bullpen has emerged in the last month. If if if, if we're just like going within that, the context. But that's why I wanted to see them hold bullpen. that. I just think, I think if your offense goes down the drain, it's just, you're, there's nothing to be concerned about because your season is just over. Yeah, you're not winning 2-1. Okay, exactly. That's fair. But Rosario, you got to run there. You just have to. It's almost October, dude. You've got to run, and if you do, you're on third base. And and if you don't, then in the playoffs, don't decide you're going to take third and make a stupid out. Um, so so the game two nights ago actually bugged me more because the Odorizzi start last night I thought was fantastic, and you need that start. Mm-hmm. And it's the White Sox. I know that they are certainly not great, but Barrios and Odorizzi, you've got to have them. And if you get a semblance of, of what we've seen from them, I think, of late, you got a chance. Uh, you Which do. is all I want, a chance. You do. Um, we actually, we we sort of hashed out, okay, Barrios Odorizzi, we did this on the the Twin Show with Glenn Perkins today. Barrios Odorizzi, you just, you hope that those guys are going to be who they've been for the majority of the season, and you cross your fingers. 
And I'm still in, and Kyle Gibson pitching tonight is going to, this will be the, the first of two starts that he gets before the playoffs start. And I really think that his playoff roster spot should be on the line in these next two starts. If he doesn't look good in these next two starts, he's not the kind of guy that I'm just going to put on the postseason roster because, well, he's been a starting pitcher. Nope. If he doesn't look good in these next two starts, and, and maybe it's just all of the, the physical and health issues he's had this year, have just taken too much out of him. He's lost weight. He's not the same guy physically as he was, um, you know, a year ago. Um, but if if he doesn't look like Kyle Gibson, then I am now resigned to I have two starting pitchers going into a postseason series that I trust. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, and all the other guys. So if I'm going to carry twelve pitchers, the other ten guys are part of bullpenning strategies. Totally. And you might say, well, you're not going to Martin Perez is a starter. Not a starter that's going to go six or seven innings, most likely against Houston or New York. And keep in mind too, you only need to win three games. That's correct. If you can, so, so this is not now. If we get to the the second round, right? No, no. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going round by round, and the only thing, if I'm the Twins privately, I'm saying is, can we win a series, one series, first round? And I think the answer is yes. And after that, I don't know personally, but the strategy, the strategy that you're talking about, I think is absolutely right. And if Gibson's okay, not great, first round, he's not on my roster. Yeah, and, look, and that's that's a harsh thing, but it's a it's a business decision that would make perfect sense. Because I tr- if if Gibson doesn't look great, I I would trust. So I I need ten guys that are sort of the bullpenning crew, right? And I'm going to lean on the best one inning guys for the majority of those spots, and then I need like two or three of those spots to be multiple inning guys, and I would put, if Gibson looks bad against the Tigers and the Royals, I would put, in terms of multi-inning guys that can go into a bullpenning strategy, I'm going to put Martin Perez, uh, Randy Dobnak, and Devin Smeltzer all above Kyle Gibson. Because he's Gibson's also not the type of guy that you can just bring in in like the sixth inning no, with two not. outs, right? So, no, he's not. Um, later on, I want to ask you, even though they they lost their last game, are the Twins the best regular season pleasant surprise that you can think of in your lifetime watching Minnesota sports? Don't answer now, but let's let's dive into that a little bit later on. Okay, in the show here. Regular season pleasant surprise. Regular season. Okay. Yep. Uh, but coming up next, Sage football wisdom on Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North. Rami is still staycationing, and you can still send him. He he really wants advice on what he should be doing. This is his first Minnesota staycation, and I think to this point he's basically just like hunkered down watched five Netflix series, and cooked for himself. So how can we get Rami out of the house here? Uh, Just tweet at him. At Rami is tweeting. Let's talk about insurance here for just a brief moment. All you business owners out there, you know about all the ups and the downs, and uh, it's a a small group, and it's it's sort of a club that you belong to and, uh, and a brethren, so to speak, and it helps tremendously to have an insurance company like Federated that understands the grind of being a business owner and that gives you peace of mind as you navigate all of those challenges. Federated has been around for over a century, a Minnesota-based company south down in Owatonna. And uh, they specialize in multiple different areas of expertise. You can learn about all the industries that Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com, which is also where you can find your Federated marketing representative. And uh, also, also worth mentioning that for the second year in a row, Federated was named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune. So... You know, chances are, if people love working somewhere, they're also going to love their job, which means they're going to love helping you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Sage Rosenfels. 
Join Dan Terhar, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday afternoon as Minnesota United travels out west to take on the Portland Timbers with pregame at 2.30, kickoff at 3, right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. All right, welcome back. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app, where, by the way, we have a five-day-a-week twin show, and we have two five-day-a-week Viking shows. We're crazy around here. We've got Vikings Vent Line with Judd and Danny, and we've got the Score North Twin Show. Glenn Perkins was wonderful earlier today, and uh, and also Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. And one of Matthew's contributors on Monday and Wednesday is Sage Rosenfels. And we're gonna we're gonna try. So you've been on with us on Fridays, going back to last year, Sage, and uh, and again. Yeah, but this I've been, year. but I've been on with Collar now for two years. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> did, was there like did somebody was there a game in Buffalo or something where you guys are there and you guys were like at a bar too late and somebody was like just dropping random stats and knowledge at the end of the bar and he just needed to ride home and. You decided to hire him, or like what? That, what a, happened? There? That's actually exactly how it played out. Yeah. And how did okay. you know that? It's crazy. It, it it seems right. Everything fits. Bar you know, time all there. The, all all the stats line up. Bar time there. By the way, I believe every day three. Oh really? I was I was there once to cover Vikings. In in fact, it was Children's first year, two thousand six. Sage, and I was covering uh, Vikings Bills at Rich Stadium. And on Saturday night, I said to the bartender, "So what's bar time here?" You know, think about it. Yeah, probably two o'clock. He goes. <laughs> Three o'clock. I said, "Wow, you people so, know how to drink." So even on like a random Tuesday during the week, if you want to get after it till three in the morning, you're good. You're good out in Buffalo. Absolutely. Wow, it's like pre happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. You know, you know how we have like, um, um, you know, BC and uh, AD. You know what I mean? Generally based off of the you know the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is the in Vikings history is everything sort of pre and post when Brad Childress was hired in two thousand six? Boy, I I think it might be more Moss actually than Brad Childress. Well, that's a great, but that's a great point. So, who are the key people? Bud Grant, yeah, pre and post Bud, right? Right, Sage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ma- Moss is right. Denny yeah. Green, but I, but I think so. My Moss theory, and and Judd has I, Judd's probably the one that we've gone the deepest on this. Vikings fans and and the franchise took a turn in 1998, where all of a sudden, like. 1998 was this jolt of confidence through the Vikings fan base, but it was also like this carpet being pulled out from underneath you in the playoffs. I think since ni- I know they lost four Super Bowls in the 70s, but I think the walking on eggshells and nervous Vikings fan thing really took off in 1998 because you never thought that they would lose to the Falcons. So that's I look at it before 98 and after 98. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, I will say this with Randy Moss. Uh, when when he was drafted by the Vikings, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I know the Vikings history fairly well, mm-hmm. but he may have been the you know really first super superstar. You know, I mean, the guy that he was the best at his position at a very high profile position in the NFL. I'm not sure. You know, going back in Vikings history with all the Hall of Famers and the Ring of Honor on those things. You know, Moss had, like, this mystique about him that was probably very different. It was also an era of, you know, when, when you know, all football was so much more on TV now and, and uh, the Internet and all those types of things. And uh, I'm guessing, you know, Randy Moss is one of those sort of key figures in Vikings history that a lot of people became Vikings fans because of him. Uh, and I and I remember a lot of teams I played with, uh, it played on. You know, the, the Miami Dolphins. People would be Dan Marino fans. We'd go to San Diego, 
and you'd see some guy with the Dan Marino jersey in the hotel <laughs> lobby, and, yep. and he was a, uh, a Dolphins fan because of Dan Marino, and he lived in San Diego, right? So I think yep. Moss sort of had that for people that were never Vikings fans before but became Vikings fans, or maybe they lived in Chicago and they just didn't like the Bears, so they became Vikings fans, but I think the Moss era uh, d- definitely added to that. So, Sage, I've said this, too, and I, I think the Moss thing went beyond the Vikings. I, I believe that Randy Moss... And his arrival and his influence or impact in the game in as a rookie in 1998 changed receivers. And I think it changed the game. And I honestly think it was the first window that this league got to the passing game of saying, oh, my God, this guy can do things that people couldn't do before uh, he arrived. And I think in some ways, not completely, but in some ways he's Jordan-esque because he also changed people from being, I'm a Vikings fan, or let's say I'm a Bears fan, to, you know what, bleep it, I'm a Randy Moss fan. Yeah, and he'd be sort of becoming a Vikings fan you know, long yeah. after that or whatever, right? So, yeah, he has that magnetic uh, aura around him, and uh, he was a lot of fun to play. You know, he was the first guy... We we'd be watching film on him, and 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 they'd have some sort of play. You know, Scott Linehan would be the coordinator. Actually, Scott, you know, came down to Miami after he left Minnesota. Nick Saban sort of stole him away from the Vikings, and of course, we're watching a lot of uh, Randy Moss film. Nate Burleson was out there, obviously Dante Culpepper. And we would have plays where it'd be third and fifteen, right? And we all know third and fifteen. What's what's the fans going to call this? Week? He's going to call screens. He's going to call draw. He's going to call maybe a, a quick, quick, uh, something quick in the passing game. Get the ball out. Let's not make the problem worse than it already was. With Scott Linehan, he would th- say, "Hey, not all is lost. We'll just call some double move. We'll do max protection, and we'll let Randy run as far as possible. And if we can hold on to the ball long enough, we'll throw it up, and he'll have a good chance against a safety, right? Because yeah. there's reason players play safety. All safeties really want to play running back, all right? But then they they just weren't good at running back, or they wanted to play receiver and they couldn't catch. So they're good at hitting, they're physical, they're fast, they're good at hitting people. But playing the ball in the air is not usually their thing." So if you throw one up, you actually want that one-on-one matchup with the safety. It's like, oh, no, we want soft cover, two versus one, because in the corners, they'll stay in the flat. We'll get one-on-one with the safety, and we'll also come down, um, Randy Moss will come down with that 75% of the time. Hey, Sage, what is uh, just – so the 1998 NFC Championship game, Vikings lose to Falcons, is the saddest – it's the first time that sports made me cry. I was like 12, Vikings fan. It's the saddest I've been watching sports in my life. What's the saddest outside of, you know, not, not counting cheap plug, the uh, 2009 NFC Championship game that we uh, did a nice deep dive into if you want to go download it, Minnesota Sports Rewind. But, like, when you're a kid or when you're an impressionable sports fan or maybe as an adult but not counting your pro career, what's the saddest sports have ever made you? Ooh, that's a good question. Iowa State Saturday. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just answered you for them. Uh, you know, I, I listen really quick. Let's talk about Iowa State on Saturday. And we'll get back to the oh, this status. Is, now, now this is a therapeutic. Session we'll get into here. that. Okay. But, hey, uh, you know, I was I was lucky enough to go over to Ames, Iowa, uh, yep. and to watch <laughs> Iowa and Iowa State college game days in Ames, Iowa for the first team. So you know the whole 
Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet and the whole crew is there. Uh, I don't know how many people there were. There must have been 8,000 people or something in this huge area they built uh, really for things like this, for concerts or whatever, a big grass area. And uh, it was just absolutely packed. So we come walking up about 10, 15, that's done at 11 o'clock. We watch it for 45 minutes and watch Corso, you know, uh, he put on the, the Cyclone Bird helmet uh, or, or whatever mascot head or whatever, and, and that was fun. And then tailgate and walked around. But then the actual game itself, and, and what, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't skip the tailgate. The tailgate at Iowa State, um, might be the best in the country. I know it sounds crazy. Okay, who, we, is, we is, Iowa State, this, is it more of a sophisticated room. tailgate than Iowa's tailgate? I always feel like Iowa State. I feel like it's it's like if you're a little sophisticated, bit, and Iowa State do not go together. <laughs> but I always it's, feel it's, like like Iowa's a little bit more of like uh, I don't know, like the Iowa State reject school or something, or is it the other way around? I don't think either. No, I think it's just sort of two different personalities. Okay. Right? So Iowa is like the, you know, you got a lot of doctors over there. You got a lot of uh, lawyers over there, a lot of writers, you know, actors. It's, uh, you know, they have, of course, a million other majors too. We have like the engineers and, you know, ag science, ag business, uh, and all the other things that go along with it. So like, you know, sort of everyone has their specialties. So it's, you know, engineers are different than doctors, right? So um, it, 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 they are two different schools in two different schools for a reason, but they're both really good schools. And I, I think it's a very good – it's like, to me, it's the way rivalry should be. Like, you know, that, that we hate each other. I'm sure there's some people who do actually hate Iowa and Iowa State. Um, but I think it's more of a sort of like, yeah, disliking those annoying Hawkeyes or uh, those annoying Cyclones or, you know, I want to, you know, talk some trash in my office this week. But it doesn't really go beyond that, for the most part, You know how I feel. So at the end okay. of the day, we're all a bunch of Iowans in there watching <laughs> a lot of Iowa kids hoping to have two good football teams that you know go to a bowl game because you know who wants to be in Iowa in on Jan- you know December 29th. You I mean honestly I mean? for me you could have ended that sentence earlier but you know <laughs> My wife's from there. there I can't say that. I love Iowa. It's a wonderful state. Love wonderful Iowa. State. She's a cyclone. I love Iowa. Go <laughs> so, Cyclones. So, so our uh our tailgating, we have a, just a ton of space there. We have all these intramural fields around there and, and all our commuter parking. And it's, the, the main parking lot is between Hilton Coliseum, our basketball arena, and our football and our football stadium. So we have just tons and tons of space that it's like you can just walk around for hours and hours and hours and, and just see just it's like it's like being at a you know Grateful Dead concert or something like that. There's just people just hanging out, barbecuing, throwing footballs around. Obviously, you know, people have big RVs now and, and football and on TVs and things like that. So uh, that's a whole great experience. And then the actual game itself started at three o'clock, ended at nine o'clock. Uh, it, it got, I don't even know, not too far into the first quarter, and there was a rain delay, and got and they came back after about 45 minutes. Uh, got another legit rain delay, the second one. Actually, just, the first one was lightning, um, and then the, with not much rain at all. And the second one was a all-out lightning downpour uh, storm. And what was amazing about that is everyone comes back into the stadium, uh, and I was pretty much about, the, we had about the second half to, to finish up. They had a quick halftime maybe a 15-minute halftime, which is quick in college football. And then you're in the third quarter, and I look around, and the, the stadium is completely full again. Wow. Completely full. 
and just incredible. And it was a great game. Somehow the field stayed in decent shape uh, after all that rain. And, you know, it'd be an 18-17, you know, win for the Hawkeyes, but a tremendous football game. We had multiple chances to win. I truly feel like we're the better football team. We just played more sloppy. Had a, we had two turnovers. They didn't. And uh, But it was a great football uh, game. So, you know, we love our coach, Matt Campbell. He's a fantastic football coach, and hopefully we can keep him for as long as possible. But they are really building something. Yep crazy special down there they just came out with some plans yesterday they're going to finish off another uh our north end zone uh and, and, and build some things there and then they're looking to build this huge expansion uh sort of commercial district thing what you know i don't know if people have ever been to kansas city but they call it the the gas lamp district yeah. or something like that down there they're now they're going to create something sort of like that a little bit maybe in between hilton coliseum and the football stadium in that what is now a huge parking lot so I don't know much about that project so far, but they are really like looking to take this whole thing to the to the next level. And you know, when you have sixty two thousand people at the stadium the other day, and you know, three hours of delays, and nobody leaves, and everyone comes back, that's special. You don't get that many places. Just and, like the uh, Gophers Georgia Southern game, really. That's oh, what I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't leave. So what what makes a great tailgate? Uh, food, well, food. Besides the food, though, food and the alcohol. You know, for me, yeah, my my friends. That's what to me makes makes a great tailgate. You know, it's a chance for me to come back and, uh, you know, uh, the the guy that was a, he was a defensive lineman. He was a captain. His daddy from Humboldt, Iowa. His dad, uh, his parents have been driving this RV around since we were in college, and everyone meets there. And you have all these other guys that uh, and their wives and their kids and you know it's it's like it's a family you know that truly is and I, of course I've got the opportunity if I want to to walk to another tailgate with some other teammates from maybe a different era that I know maybe guys older than me or younger than me but you know mostly around my grade and the guys that I hung out with a lot in, in college and you know guys that live together and in houses off campus and stuff like that uh, that's to me is the best part yeah you know food and, food and a couple of drinks and those things but to really see those guys for uh, you know, for an hour, for two hours, for three hours, uh, and sometimes we actually talk about football. But to, to be honest with you, more often than not, we're talking about something else. You know, kids, and oh, uh, we got to take a trip to you know Florida for my daughter's soccer, and they have to take their kid to somewhere for their kids' dance. And you know, we we end up having those conversations more than like, what do you think of the game today? Yeah. You know, that usually happens in about forty-five seconds. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami here. By the way, Rami Rami gone today because he's staycationing around the Twin Cities right now. He's actually tweeting us about some nonsense. Actually, it's about it's a Twins bomba montage here. So he's where, like, where do you st- where do you staycation in the Twin Cities? Uh, literally in his living That's room. That's what he watching, was trying to find out. Watching Netflix. No. Yeah, we told him go to Duluth for an overnight or something. Go. Uh, go Is it snowing in Duluth yet? I think next week is when it starts gotcha. to snow in Duluth. Yeah, close but, enough. But it's close. It's a bit I, close to October. Exactly. I want to run, uh, and, and by, the, by the way, as of uh, earlier today, it sounds like the Vikings have actually checked in, according to Josina Anderson, on Jalen Ramsey. So the theories that we were floating yesterday about how, hey, they should be doing this, the Vikings have checked in ab- about Jalen Ramsey. So Judd and I had an argument yesterday on the show, and maybe you can play referee for us here, Sage. Because Judd's all in on the idea, and if I'm if I'm misrepresenting you, step in, Judd. Judd's all in on the idea that hey, you're in a win now window, and and if you can't make your offense any better right now, you might as well go get a blue chip defensive player to take your defense from I don't know, like the sixth best to the to the best. And here's where I hesitate. I'm hedging after watching Kirk Cousins against Green Bay on Sunday, and after watching Kirk Cousins over the past few years. I would be hesitant to give up a first-round pick in 2020 or 2021 
that could eventually be the franchise quarterback I draft. Because after after this last weekend, it's official in my mind, I'm good on Kirk Cousins when his contract is up. I just, like, I'm good. I don't need to pay him anymore. It's a good little fun three-year run, but he is not the guy long-term. And so I'm not as willing to give up first-round picks for guys like Jalen Ramsey. What yeah, do you think? I, I've been thinking about the sort of the same thing. You know, do, do you try to, you know, give up something now, give up capital now, uh, and what is going to be a huge contract. I mean, what, what is Jalen, what, what, what does Ramsey want? A, you know, $20 million a year, $18 million. He's going to want one of those premier defensive contracts. So you know, the Vikings have the money and the capital as far as whatever draft compensation there might be. So you're going to be giving up a lot for a player, and it still doesn't fit the quarterback situation. Doesn't make the quarterback any better. Doesn't make the offense any better. The defense is already good. Defense not the problem. Run game doesn't seem to be the problem. Seems to be the passing game, both in protection and in uh, and with the quarterback. So I had a theory. So so I, I I wouldn't make that move. Just FYI, I would not make that move. I did have a theory this summer. Uh, maybe it was during training camp. That maybe you know a swap of Xavier Rhodes and Trent Williams, the Washington Redskin left tackle, who is not happy with his contract. Uh, I would take that swap because if you get a left tackle who's a premier player, and he is, he's probably a top five guy mm-hmm. in the league at that position. That to me would make Kirk Cousins a much better player. Would make this team a much better team overall. And with Mike Zimmer's wizardry at the cornerback position, it just seems like they find another guy to you know put in there, and they end up playing pretty well. I mean, when you have a when you're a really good developer, when you're a coach that can really develop players, uh, and of course you know we all know Mike has drafted a lot of first round picks uh, at the you know DB position, whether it's Harrison Smith or Xavier Trey Waynes and Mike Hughes. We can go on, but he also is good. I think good at developing guys who are lower draft picks or who are even undrafted to be pretty good players, scrappy, smart. Uh, well technique, good fundamentals, and, and they get better over time. Uh, so I would rather try to find a, a player that you can't, you, you just can't like teach a guy to be a good left tackle. You know, right. you can't find an undrafted guy to be a left tackle or a fifth round pick. Like for the most most part, they got to be just a dang good player, and uh, those guys are hard to find. So I would sort of push in just a little bit that you know maybe Xavier, uh, who I think is not playing as well this year. Sure enough, through two games, I think he's one of the weaker spots in the defense right now and uh, didn't play as well last year and has a big contract number for a left tackle in Trent Williams. That was my recommendation if you're going to trade anybody. Trade it to upgrade your offense, not to upgrade more for your defense. And Sage, I think the problem there is there is internal fear, and it's probably justified that Rhodes is cooked, that it's just he's not a bad player now. But two two years ago, I think that we wouldn't have called him the best uh, cornerback in the league, but he was certainly considered a shutdown guy. So my thought on on Ramsey, just to flush this out a little bit more, also involves the fact that uh, that Rick and Mike know that this is a crucial year, and they didn't because I said this. I'm with you in in the summertime and in the spring. I said go out and get a big-time guard, center, and improve th- that line. Because as much as you help Kirk out, Kirk out, you really rearrange things on the line. You didn't necessarily fix them, which in pass pro we're seeing now. But now I'm saying, okay, Kirk's going to struggle. This isn't going to be great. Dalvin Cook is certainly, as long as he stays healthy, a phenomenal player. But now my thought process is this. Double down on defense, because the statement I'm about to make is absolutely crazy, but I believe it to be 100% true right now. 
You can't go into Green Bay and give up 21 points. That defense played a solid three quarters, but they had one bad one. You can't do that. So take your defense. If you get a guy like Jalen, I think your defense goes from being very good to potentially great. And the only path to a potential championship, and this is probably a long shot, but I might risk it, is my defense becomes great, my run game is very good, and I can get by with my pass game. Because I don't think there's a there's a way now to fix that line. I think that line, there might be development, but it's pretty much is what it is at this point. Yeah, and then it's, it's play design, it's play calling. You know, how can you... Uh, you know, try to sort of overcome some some of its uh, you know weaknesses, and you know th- there is you know various theories out there of you know what's more impo- important, uh, you know, great receivers, great quarterback, uh, it, you know, offensive line. You know, where should you invest your money and your uh, your draft picks? And, and I, I always think back to this. I, I had dinner with want to name drop. I had dinner with the Dallas Cowboys head coach last year, Jason Garrett at the Indianapolis Combine. When y'all sent me down there as a correspondent for the Score North, <laughs> we actually uh, sent you down there just to get dinner with him, and we're happy that you did the correspondent work too on the side. That was great. If you if you want to, you're supposed to, to tape uh, it though. The, the it dinner was a, it was Jason Garrett and then Paul Burmeister. Mm. All right, Paul mm-hmm. Burmeister works for NBC Sports now. Just did the uh, the Tour de France, but he was uh, he actually played quarterback at Iowa. He's an Iowa guy from uh, either Iowa City or Cedar Rapids. So it, it was nice of him. But for the most part, it was you know Paul showed up late, but uh, it was Jason Garrett and I. <laughs> And, and, and I've known Jason since uh, 2004. My first career start, he was my backup quarterback. We signed him at the end of the season when he was, like, totally done, and we just sort of signed him back for about five games, and, and he was in the room with us. And so I get my first career start. And the next year's my quarterback's coach under uh, Nick Saban. So he goes from quarterback to quarterback's coach, uh, then, you know, moves over to Dallas, and, and on and on and on we go. So anyway, but he used to talk about, Troy Aikman and that, you know, obviously those Dallas teams. And we all know about that Dallas offensive line. They had so many good players. I mean, just monster guys and, and great players. And, you know, uh, obviously uh, the way with uh, Emmett Smith, you know, breaking all these records. What's crazy is this. Troy Aikman, do not look him up. Stay, stay off your computers over there. Okay. Troy Aikman. All right. What do you think his overall QB rating is in okay. his career? I, so I don't have it open. It's not good. But it's not. It's, it's, like, it's like below 85. It's the same as mine, oh, eighty-one. Wow. Yeah, but eighty-one. One hundred sixty-five touchdowns, one forty-one picks. All right. So really, I mean, one hundred sixty-five touchdowns. That's not very many. Yep. But they dominated by hand the ball off. So when they got to the two yard line, they just handed off to Emmett and he scored a touchdown. And they yep. just did that over and over and over. And and, and we, we had that conversation because we were discussing Favre, and Favre did throw a lot of touchdown passes from inside the five yard line. Uh, he 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 would either audible to it, uh, or they would you know teams would all out blitz and he'd get the ball of his hand and he was great at throwing those corner routes where he'd flatten the guy off all the time it seemed like to his left, and uh, but Favre was great throwing a ton of touchdown passes. Troy did not throw very many touchdown passes, but dominant offensive line. So here we go now, you know years later as Dallas had all these issues in the past and they had you know they got they had guys like Des Bryant and they had some good receivers and but now they've gone more. Well, they've got one good receiver. Uh, their tight ends are, you know, Jason Witten already retired, come back, but you know he's he's way past his prime, right? Um, but their line is dominant, and they got the running back, so they're going to that uh, sort of uh, uh, 
that style of they think that's what's what helps their defense keeps their defense off the field but a dominant offensive line because it makes pass, pass protection better obviously you can run the ball put you in better situations they have invested i think they might be like all first round draft picks yep. of some sort whether from another team or their own team along that offensive line that's where they have invested over these years and i think and i think they're pretty well coached you know obviously as well so uh you know and they're two and oh and and uh, you know the quarterback's gonna get a 40 million dollar contract and the running back just got a huge contract uh you know that's a team that uh is winning uh and even if dak prescott wasn't playing great football they would still be winning because of that you know dominant offensive line so we have like we have a couple minutes left so maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out and then maybe we can expand more on it for for next week's uh, episode of sage football wisdom here but this is where like offensive line and quarterback and how tied together they are, as you just outlined with Troy Aikman and, and Dallas' strategy. I, I feel like the second wave off of this Vikings game and the evaluation of it is, yeah, but look how bad the pass protection is. And that is true. You know, people who watch the film and and see things are I'm I'm not questioning that. But I also think that you have permission as a quarterback just because you got pressure in your face 50% of the time. doesn't mean that you have to come out of that game with a devastating game-ending interception and fumbles. Like, I feel like I don't want to give Kirk Cousins a pass. No, no, that's where I'm, That's where I'm conflicted here. Yeah, so, you know, again, uh, Kubiak, I remember when I was playing for him, it was about 2007 probably, and I threw a pick in the game, and we're talking about the next day in some meeting. And he says, listen, I know you got hit on that throw or whatever, but at the end of the day, the ball's in your hands. The, the quarterback is responsible for that football. And whether an offensive lineman completely misses or whatever, the, it's your responsibility to protect that football. So you cannot blame an offensive lineman or anybody else uh, for their mistake. You're responsible. No, of course, in a meeting, uh, you know, the team meeting, he's going to, you know, blame the guard and say, listen, you got to do better. You, you, you create that fumble. But at the end of the day, he really felt for a quarterback, you have to feel like it's completely your responsibility. Uh, you, you, and, uh, and, and he's got to get the ball out quicker. You know, I, I feel like, um, that that could be another thing is you know getting the ball out quick and you know Tom Brady is less mobile than Kirk and he gets the ball out extremely quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not and it just it's because he knows how to go through, understand defenses and his reads really quickly. And he also by the way, his throwing motion is uh, you know getting the details of hitches and all these things. But Kirk has a sort of methodical drop. He gets the ball. He God's actually takes these sort of big hitches, boom, boom, and then he you know has a strong arm. Tom's back there, and he is like ready to throw it every second. It's either small hitches like sort of the Peyton Main style, or his feet are set, and he's ready to go. And um, it takes less time; he can get the ball off quicker, and, and all those things. And it, they, they end up not having quarterback pressures. Doesn't mean the lines necessarily always plays better, but they have fewer quarterback pressures. And and I think a lot of times the quarterbacks that don't get rid of the ball quicker are sort of immobile in the pocket. They also create more quarterback pressures and makes their offensive line look worse and and that's you know we, you know Teddy Bridgewater and all that stuff it's it's water under the bridge but when you go back and in Case Keenum too both those guys are very similar in a lot of ways not fancy not big arms pretty accurate uh seem to make the key play a lot of times but 
you know, they had an ability to make their line look not as bad as they were. Yes. If that makes any sense. Yes. Right. And and mm-hmm. that is a there's no stats there, right? There's not like some magical thing there. You can't you just have to see it time and time again and go, you know, that right guard completely missed and sure enough, Teddy's throwing the ball away. Didn't get touched, runs out of the pocket, throws the ball away, we, we move on and it's in, you know, it's third and five. Uh where in this type of situation it's a it's a hit. Uh, could be a hit and a bad play. Could be a completion or whatever, but also you know could be a sack. Could be something like that where he doesn't have the ability to get out of the pocket, uh, throw the ball away, and, and just move on to the next play. Yeah. Well, uh, he's gonna he's gonna carve up the Raiders this weekend, and then we'll see another a classic. Yeah, like, just wait till the Bears game, and then the Bears game will be the. Real I want to see the stuff. Bears game in Soldier yeah. Field before I. So that is uh, that's Sage football wisdom and uh, a new. A new day and time slot starting this week, Thursdays around 4.20 on Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, Sage, go uh, go plan your next tailgate. We'll talk no, I, I'm planning my trip to Chicago. I'm going to see you guys right. in a week and a half, I think. Yeah. Well, you'll right. see, you guys, you'll see you Collar, Collar for sure in Oh, Chicago. you're going to Soldier yeah. Field? Yeah, I'm going to go to Chicago. Can you play so. center or guard? Can <laughs> no. you help? Garrett Bradbury, no, no, SOS. I, I think that's going to be a, that. That should be a heck of an atmosphere. And uh, you know, I, I listen. I have to do a radio station in Chicago on every Tuesday morning. I'm not sure if you guys know that, but I go on in Chicago uh, and uh, and talk about Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> you know, I have to, so I wake up on Tuesday and I watch the Bears offense, and uh, I, I watch. Oh, the, I mean, boy, that's not fun to watch either. I'm is not going to lie to you. How's your life going these days between <laughs> having to watch Cousins tape and Trubisky tape? Is, that, okay? why, is that why you're drinking at 9 in the morning on Tuesdays now? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, listen, coffee with a little something extra will get your day going even twice as good. So. You need a perpetual tailgate, just continually tailgating so you can watch this quarterback crap and not throw up. Thanks, Well, I, listen, I, we're all hopeful. We're all hopeful that uh, that Kirk will, will play better. And, and my hope for the season is that there's going to be moments, and we didn't see it through you know, the second week there, but there's going to be moments throughout the season, and particularly at the end of the season, where Kirk is going to have to be clutch. And I think this is something that we should talk about throughout the season is, you know, when they were in the red zone, when they, when it was third and five at the end of the game, we're down by a field goal. Did Kirk come through? Because he hasn't, more often than not in the past, he has not. But can he, it doesn't mean he can't in the future, you know. And and maybe he can. Maybe this is the year that, you know, things things change and he becomes a little bit more clutch and we, we get those third downs and, and those add up to, you know, enough wins to get this team to play off. So he has to play better and, uh, and hopefully he does as the season goes on. That is former 12-year NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels with us here. Contributor to Score North. You can also find him days and Wednesdays on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. All right, Sage, take it easy, man. All right, guys. See ya. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with this hour's Download. The Score North Fall Auction continues through tonight, 8 p.m. tonight, with great items up for grabs on home improvement, travel, heating, and cooling, and much more. To view all the items and place your bid, visit scorenorth.com keyword auction. If you missed the article in the post and much of the Purple Daily content yesterday, Matthew Collar wrote over at scorenorth.com his case for the Vikings trading for Jalen Ramsey, the star cornerback who wants out of Jacksonville. Well, Josina Anderson of ESPN made that reckless speculation a little bit hotter this morning, saying on Twitter, I'm told... Reckless speculation. Saying, I'm told Jalen Ramsey is fine playing Thursday Night Football tonight, but a source just told me he doesn't anticipate being a member of the Jags next Sunday. Teams like Kansas City, Baltimore, Oakland, Philadelphia, Seattle, and uh, Minnesota Vikings have all made substantive inquiries. But my understanding is almost every team has at least placed a call. But the Vikings being in the substantive inquiries list there. Vikings fans. 
Reckless Speculation. What is your thoughts about the Vikings being in that list? <laughs> Reckless Speculation. I'm all in on Yes. It. That's been your score on our download. Now back to Mackie and Jennifer Rami. Yeah, how about that? Okay, quick soapbox thing for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. Because... I don't know. We like to have we like to have fun on this show. We like to have fun at Score North. Uh, you know, like back in the spring, Antonio Brown was going to get traded, and Matthew ran with it. Matthew Collar ran with it on on his show. Man, I know they already have two great receivers, but imagine if they had a third and like, yeah, Patriots go and do it. There's like I feel like there's like ten percent of people that, and then the, the same thing for the Jalen Ramsey thing until today, which I'll get to though. And they're like, well, that'll never happen. Why are you wasting breath talking about something that'll never happen? First of all, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Wouldn't it be fun if if Antonio Brown was a Viking back in the spring? But I like how it sort of started with that with Jalen Ramsey, because like Judd goes on Ventline yesterday. Kyler writes an article like, man, Jalen Ramsey's available. This is NBA-like. You don't get players like this available. The Vikings should pounce. And the 10 percenters were, well... You're just, that'll never happen. First of all, time out. Okay, it's fun that it might happen or could happen or should happen. But the fact that Josina Anderson has now reported that here's a handful of teams that have seriously inquired about this and the Vikings are on that list. I love that they're on that list. They're thinking about it. More than thinking about it if they're on that list. She's not just making that up. She's very much plugged in. But her logic makes perfect sense, right? The logic being that whether they do it or not, after what we've seen in the first two weeks, if you are going to go all in and continue to uh, potentially pursue a Super Bowl championship, and you get Jalen Ramsey and your defense is now great, there's like I've gone through. Other than if they simply couldn't make it work cap wise, which I think if you get rid of Rhodes, you absolutely could. But other than that, the cap is fake too, by the way. Yeah, but I've gone down every go down every possible path, and I'm I'm not saying that your point yesterday, Phil, is a bad point. So it could certainly be debated, but go down every possible path and it makes some sense and it's doable. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm still, I'm still, as we, as we talked to with Sage there in that last segment, I'm still very much in the, uh, I need I feel to like see, like Kirk Cousins makes me so nervous after that game. Yeah, you're, you're being, you're I have being, your fix for you on that. You're being too safe. Matthew. The, what, the Kirk Cousins fix? No, the, uh, the fix on. I was going to say, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, I don't have enough time for that. I mean. We know, I don't think anybody has enough time for that. No, your fix on should are giving away picks when you might need to draft a starting quarterback or future quarterback for next year. Yeah, the Dolphins traded a third round pick, I believe, to the Cardinals for Josh Rosen, and they're in the process of tanking. So you trade the first and whatever else it takes to get Jalen Ramsey, and you just trade your third for Josh Rosen at the end of the season. If you think Josh Rosen is a franchise quarterback, it could be. And I would have, I would have definitely been interested in trading for Josh Rosen when he was on the outs in Arizona there for a minute. But the fact that he's also kind of on the outs with his new team, right? Like, why would Josh Rosen not just well, be the starting the quarterback? Well, they're going to start the poor guy on Sunday, and he might die. Everybody's <laughs> I mean, on the behind outs that Miami, offensive so line. Okay. But if you were, so, but to circle back to your point about that, I think that we, we are right now, if you're Spielman, are you really going to get that chance again? Like, can you go to the Wolves and be like, okay, okay, the Cousins thing sort of didn't work out. Let me try this But it's one. all cool because I can draft one now. They're like, yeah. oh, no, we'll get someone else to do that, Rick. No, yeah. I, I got to take him care. No, yeah. no, that's okay. We'll find somebody else who can find a quarterback. On the salary cap angle, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, Judd, but Brett Favre made a million dollars a game, right? Yes. For the Vikings? Yeah. Yes. So think about that. On the twi- two seasons in a row, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but unless they had 16 to $20 million in cap space just lying around going into those seasons, Brett Favre comes knocking, and they just snap their fingers and poof, oh, here's $16 million Jalen, in cap space. Jalen Ramsey also is making next to nothing. $3 million plus right now, for this yeah. year. Now, now it goes up to $13 mil plus next year, but that's a whole different story. So if you got him right now, you could make it work. Yeah. You could, yeah, make you could it find work. room for the three for this year. But you tell me this. How are you going to improve your offensive line right now? I don't see. I don't see it. I don't see any possible. Not unless you're putting together mass- a trade package for Trent Williams, but that's not going to happen. And that, yeah, no, no, it's not. This is a really good idea. It's one so. of my best. I'm, I've had a lot of harebrained ideas here. This is one of my best ideas. Reckless speculation. Well, we'll see. It's a let's call it a developing story here on Score North. It's a developing story, and you can read more at scorenorth.com, s k o r north.com, or sign up for the free to download mobile app, and we will just send you a push notification, also free, when the Vikings eventually pull the trigger. Do we make trigger. it that simple? Do people do any work now? No, you we'll don't just, do any work. We'll just it's so free. we do all we'll the work. Just, we just we do the work. We just we deliver it to you. We entertain you. Score North mobile app. All right. Um, when we come back. Is this Twins team the best regular season pleasant surprise you can think of in Minnesota sports history? I, I, I for sure have one challenger to it, maybe more. I got a couple for sure, yeah. Okay. But the TCL TVs in our studios are so integral to our reckless speculation here because we can have, uh, we can have, we can have any streaming platform on that we want. All of the different sports streaming platforms from NBA to NFL to all the different Fox platforms and Big Ten Network. So oftentimes what we will do in here is we will put Red Zone on one of the TCL TVs, and then we will have uh, the Vikings game on the other one. So even if you only have one TV in your living room, I know, right? Why Get another TV. Um, you get access to 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000-plus movies and TV show episodes. You also get all of those things at a very affordable price. Go compare TCL TVs, price, picture quality, and ease to connect uh, to all those streaming channels compared to any other TV, and I think you'll find that TCL stands out. There's a reason why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer. Rami Makhlouf is a pompous ass. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North mobile app. Rami is on day two of a five-day staycation. We wish him the best as he sits at home drinking White Claw and catching up on his favorite Netflix specials. He's got hours, like hundreds of hours of Netflix specials yeah. and things DVR'd, right? Yeah. Have you ever? Do, are you a Netflix guy at all? Yeah, but I okay. don't really watch many um, um, shows off of it. Okay. I watch documentaries and yeah, I love love movies and things like that. So yeah, no, it's great. Um, Are the Twins the best regular season pleasant surprise this year's Twins team in Minnesota sports history in your lifetime? Mm, They are one of them, but I've got some contenders. Uh, So 
by surprise, the definition is we're saying you you didn't go into that year expecting a ton. Like 2009 Vikings, yes. you expected a lot, and once they got Favre, it was uh, it was on. In fact, I'll just define it so we can be operating under the same parameters here. Okay. I think it's I think it's a a result at the end of the year mm-hmm. that far exceeds whatever the expectation was. Okay, unless there's some other way to quantify or define pleasant surprise. All right, so I will uh, I will start with the nineteen ninety one Twins because that was worse to first. So that team that team just to come so forget the playoffs, just the fact that they came back and won a division. Um, the eighty seven Twins, I don't believe they were coming off a great year in eighty six. Now they they had uh, flirted with the playoffs a few years before before they collapsed in Cleveland, but that team. That team was weird because it was so good in the Metrodome. It wasn't great on the road, and it didn't have a ton of pitching, but its top-end uh, pitching in guys like Viola and Blylevin was really, really good. But I would start with those two. and But as far as dominance goes, as far as wins go, I mean, this has been off the charts. I think the the, the, the added, one twins though were really really good and they were a, a last place team in ninety so. But what was the feeling going in? I mean, they had Kirby Puckett in his prime. You know what? Jack Morris came right, came but they had been a, but they had been a last place team. Was there so there wasn't? I don't remember feeling like oh my gosh, the ninety one twins are going to be great. It was going to be an upgrade. Okay, but they won the they won the Western Division. So was 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 Jack Morris coming on board before the ninety one season? Because I was like six. Mm-hmm. Was bringing him on board before the season viewed as like, oh, it's kind of cool. He's you know he's coming coming back to Minnesota, yes. right? It, it wasn't viewed as, oh, he's the piece to the puzzle that's going to put this thing over no, the top. No, no. As I recall, it was viewed very much as a St. Paul guy comes home. This is cool. They should be better, but not a oh okay. man. They, they were in last place last year, and now the expectation is a Western Division title. I also think, and I might be wrong about this, but I also believe that. Morris was Morris might have been turned loose in the collusion case. So there there were a bunch of Gaetti, Morris, I believe. They basically were uh, an arbitrator made them free agents because it had been determined that in the winter of like 89, 88 or so, that there had been collusion among clubs not to sign these guys. Hmm. And so their contracts, a bunch of their contracts, I think, were avoided then. And they got a second bite at, at uh, going on the open market, and they got signed. Gaetti uh, went to the Angels, because if you do recall, Phil, in 91, I believe the third base platoon for the Twins was Pagliarulo from the left side, Leas from the right side. That's correct. So Gaetti got turned loose as well and, and went and signed with California at the time. And I think Morris came here on that. So it's hard because I, I was so young. So like in my, in my lifetime, I guess, probably starts a little bit, a couple of years after that. I would put this year's Twins team in terms of pleasant surprise just ahead of the 2001 Contraction Twins. The Contraction Twins came out of... I mean, this team kind of came out of nowhere, and, and and this team... What puts this team over the top is, in the standings, they're a pleasant surprise. Yep. And they're the greatest power-hitting team in baseball history, or they're neck-and-neck neck with the Yankees. I think the Yankees tied them last night or came within one. They had one home run last night. Right. And the Twins have a game in hand still. So... That 2001 team was a was a standings pleasant surprise, mm-hmm. but they didn't have that extra stamp of oh, and by the way, they're the greatest blank team in history. I mean, maybe they were like the scrappiest team in and history. And they tailed off big time too. They did eventually. Post All Star break, they were like 30 games over 500 it, it at one point, and yes. then they only finished with 86 wins or something. Yep. But that team, 
you know, think about all the 90 loss disaster seasons and retread players, and then they go into 2001, and you look at that roster, and you'd see a couple guys with long names that you'd seen from like 99. Like, who's this Minkavich guy? I think I saw him as a September call up at one point. Like, Pierzynski had been up for a couple of years. But mostly, you didn't really know anything about the roster. You, you knew that Tori Hunter came up once and like showed some promise. And, and you kind of saw that Corey Koski, like, but these were all minor leaguers, basically. And when I think pleasant surprise, I again, I think gap between what you expected and what turned out to be. And, um, and they were a major pleasant surprise in the standings category. But this team not only is a pleasant surprise in the standings, they won way more games. They're going to go to the playoffs. That team didn't. And all the home runs put it over the top. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I think now we could go outside the Twins. You could say the 98 Vikings, but I don't think the 98 Vikings has a pleasant surprise. They were going to be good. They were going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be that good because they had made the playoffs the entire decade leading Basically, up to that yes. point, right? Yes. I mean, their worst season they that decade like was once. like 8-8. Eight and eight. Once or twice, yes. And they had won a playoff game the year before in 1997. No, you're, you're, you're saying, because I, I just uh, I looked this up, the 2000 Twins finished in last place in the American League Central, 26 games back, 2000 Twins, at 69-93. So they were a total disaster. So they were bad. They yeah. were just bad. And that had that had been the run that started post-lockout with those teams were dumpster fires. Mm-hmm. Those teams, and those were the teams of... Well, we we can go down the list, but of Roberto Kelly and Dave Hollins and all those veterans that they tried to sign on the cheap and recycle. So, yeah, 2001 was fun, too. I'm looking it up as well. The 86 Twins, if I can find the standings here, I'm curious what they did because I think that they were American League West, the, yeah, 21 games yeah. back. And, and like the Timberwolves. Second to last. I don't think the Timberwolves have ever given us a pleasant surprise season. Every time they rose up to being good, it was like, finally, yeah, yeah, you got a bunch of, you drafted Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury, and yeah, you should be good, right? Or when they landed Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio. Have the was Wild? Like, not the playoff earlier Wild? Not playoff runs. Well, 2003. Yeah, when they went to the, fi- the right, Western Conference Finals. Right, but that team, but if you end it, with the uh, with the regular season, yeah, this is a regular like, season. That was an okay surprise. team, but okay. yeah, no, and they were like a seven seed. Yeah, because we're we are talking play or we're talking regular season pop up, mm-hmm. not playoff pop up, because that opens it up to a, a lot of different conversations. Yeah, eighty six twins, ninety one twins. I'm with you. Two thousand one twins for sure. Um, these this ball club, the wolves. I would agree. 2017 Vikings. Yeah, that you know what? 13 and three. I buy that. Eight and eight season. Case Keenum, it's, Bradford goes down. Yeah. I buy that one. That's a good one. Yeah, not above this year's Twins team, but no, it's, it's in the mix there somewhere. No, but but when when Bradford got hurt in Week One, you said to yourself, "Oh, <laughs> this might not be good." Yeah, and nobody in their wildest dreams could have said, "Oh, Case Keenum's going to step in and save the day." Yeah. No way. Something to to just sort of appreciate. Uh, we have a Twins lineup out, by the way. Mitch Garver, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, not benched. No, he's not benched. Well, they, they really can't because they have nothing else in yeah. the outfield. Kepler must be done, Phil. Miguel Sano, Marwin Gonzalez is back, which is good because really he missed good. the game. Yeah. Luis Arise, Jonathan Scope, and Ryan Lamarin. No Max Kepler. Arise in left field, though, again, right? You're saying you think Max Kepler might be done for the season? No, no, no. For the regular. I, I don't think he's going to play again until the playoffs at this rate. Do you? I just don't know enough about how he feels. 
put it. I mean, can he, can well, he right take now, a I'm assuming shot next week. Right now, I'm assuming he's basically completely shut down until the ALDS. Man, because are you going to give him a cortisone shot to bring him back? I think he needs for, to face major league pitching in it for a day before <sighs> he gets into a playoff series, but. We'll see. Um, when we come back, quarterback cesspool challenge, week three. By the way, I am Buckle up. so bitter about this. Oh, it, yeah. Let's just say oh, last man. week did Judd wrong. And I'm going third person there. <laughs> last week did Judd wrong. Join Dan Terhar, Kindred E. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday afternoon as Minnesota United travel out west to take on the Portland Timbers with pregame at 2.30, kickoff at 3 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week, Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. Intercepted! What is going on tonight? The strip sacks. And it pulls out again! And the Bills recovered again! The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the Quarterback Cesspool Challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. <laughs> yes. That's an amazing intro. Manny Hill. Yeah. Putting it together. My, I've, I've got goosebumps. Jim Mora. He's got the old school Jim Mora. <laughs> I'm ready to pick crappy quarterbacks. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. How could you guys be like that after what happened to me last week? Be like what? Well, just wait till Phil goes through what happened to me last oh, week. But 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 what Jonathan said, pick crappy quarterbacks. Still looking my wounds. Yes. So so here's how it works, and then we will get into what happened to Judd this week. Poor Judd. So we every week on this show, and Rami is is off today, but we will get Rami's pick for the week. We won't miss Rami's pick. Our goal is to identify for 17 weeks the worst starting quarterback performance every single week. And uh, it's measured by QBR, in-game QBR, which is going to factor in here, and it matters. You can only pick each quarterback once, and we all have to pick different quarterbacks each week. So we draft based on reverse order of standings from the week before. And uh, we are keeping track of who's winning and losing here, and we're taking your suggestions on punishments. We're going to dole out punishments for the loser of each week so we've got we've got two in the bag. We're going to get to the standings here in a second. But if you if you've got punishments, the the list we're racking up right now includes uh, Rami hates country music. So we're going to make him put headphones on maybe and listen to country music while also standing in a public bathroom, which he also hates. He claims that might all make him violently ill, which I look forward Great. to seeing. Perfect. Thank you. All the better. <laughs> yes, with you. So we had some amazing drama this week. This is probably the most drama you're going to find all year in the quarterback cesspool challenge. I might get in trouble for calling this drama, but with what happened. Well, so so I had uh, I had Gardner Minshew, and he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. Um, he he wasn't anywhere near as bad as the other two guys that we're going to get to. Jonathan had Eli Manning, who was bad enough to get benched, but he was the best quarterback performance, according to QER, <laughs> of the week. Yeah. In case you're wondering how bad the other guys were. So Trevor Simeon tore a ligament in his left ankle during the game. He went three of six for three yards, was sacked twice, and his QBR for the game 
Trevor Simeon was 1.4. He was the worst quarterback of the week in the NFL, much to Judd's chagrin because Judd picked Fitzmagic, who lost 43 to nothing to the New England Patriots, went 11 for 21, threw three interceptions and was sacked four times. And had a QBR of three point eight. I know. Which How do is I lose? Terrible. How do I and lose? And you lost. And I lost. This is amazing. And I lost to a guy who probably wouldn't have had that bad of QBR if he hadn't got hurt. And I forgot totally that we also have a recap. And let's roll the tape. After going just three for six for three yards, <laughs> he went down with an ankle injury in the second quarter. Needless to say. He won't be chosen as part of this challenge again this season. <laughs> Trevor Simeon's 1.3 QBR makes Rami this week's QB cesspool challenge winner. <laughs> so there it is. Well done, Rami. So on a scale of 1 to 100 QBR, Judd's pick scored 3.8, and you didn't win. I didn't win. <laughs> How does that happen? And and I can't go back to Fitz ma- Magic. Not that it would matter because he's now because he's now been benched. Although poor, uh, uh, if he starts for another team, can Josh you go back to him or is that is he no, off the board? I think he's off the board. Right? I think we've decided that. Yeah. Once you take sorry, a court, repeat so your question, if, I was looking at if the Fitz Magic goes to the Jets, gets yeah, traded to the Jets, the I can't okay. use him off the board. Okay. Once you've picked a quarterback. He's but off the board. You burned your... No, but what what <laughs> galls me, what really fr- frosts my tips on this whole thing is the fact Does that... what? I got... I'm just trying to think of what... Being mad. Frost but I am... I'm out on Fitz now, and I would have won, I think, if Simeon hadn't got hurt. So I think if Simeon plays that whole game, he probably gets like a 5.6. Probably. But... I know. Those are the tough breaks the in the rules. quarterback cesspool challenge. I know. So, Jonathan, if we could roll some proper music, some uh, NFL music here. Yeah. We're going to go in reverse order of the standings for this week. And that means Jonathan goes first. It's amazing. Like, this was a this was an historic week in the quarterback cesspool challenge because Jonathan picked a guy who got benched. Benched. The guy that I picked. The guy Eli I picked Manning. before. And you scored the highest QBR. So, Jonathan, you go first, I go second, Judd goes third, and then Rami will pick fourth. He's not on the show today, but he'll get the scraps. Once again, I, yeah, scraps. So Once again, I have a clean slate to pick from, and yes. there's a lot of choices here. Yes. But the choice I'm going with. It's a buffet of bad quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> a buffet, buffet of butt sweat yeah. if you're <laughs> the Vikings and uh, Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, Kirk Cousins hmm, sort of worked his way into the mix, didn't he, boys? <laughs> That is a possibility, but the guy I'm going with is the same quarterback or the same team from the guy who was the loser this week. I've had to do some research because Phil wouldn't be nice and help me out here. Yeah, Jonathan's like, hey, who's starting for the... Because like, I don't know. I don't know if you, Mono's dude. still in play here. What? you got to do your own research, man. I know. I just figured... Whatever. Luke Falk will be the quarterback uh, for the Jets uh, this the week. Uh, He's going against the Patriots. I'm competitive. I mean... Patriots held okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick to a 3.8 last week and didn't win him, but you know I'm going to take right. that risk. Luke Falk is my quarterback for the week. All right, so Jonathan's going Luke Falk. To me, there's three clear-cut picks. Really? For this week. Well, just clear-cut, yes. Really? I don't know if this is going to be one of them. I had two. I've, I'm, so I'm picking next, and I don't know if the one I'm picking is going to be a clear-cut for you. You tell me. Okay. But I think this is a major, major... Make good and revenge game. Getting back home for the Minnesota Vikings and Derek Carr is about to feel the wrath at U.S. Oh, Bank no. Stadium. I didn't see that one. That's I not think, bad. I think Derek Carr is going to be in for a long day at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. 
And uh, his QBR is going to be south of 20, is my prediction, mm. on a scale Very of possible. 1 to 100. Very I have a possible. question about my pick. Say Sam Darnold is magically cured of mono and he can play. Where does that leave me? Um, I, that's a does good question. I think with a zero? I think your question is, no, it's not a zero because he would win. I think what we would do then is, so let's say any scenario, we had a rule for this a couple years ago, last time we did this. If you pick a quarterback and he starts like... Like, um, what's his name? Um, uh, dude who won this last week. Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon. If you if you start, that's your QBR. But if you pick a quarterback that doesn't play, period, or if you pick a quarterback that that plays, if you pick a quarterback that doesn't play, I think we should say it's a 50 QBR. Just like, okay. it's an average. So if you pick a guy and he doesn't play at all, you get a 50. Gets an average grade? Yep, gets okay. an average grade. All right? Okay. Over to Judd. All right. Yeah, there are... Uh, because I didn't put Carr on my list of three. There are two guys left. I am going to go with a guy uh, who's going to travel with his team to Dallas. That's right. I'm going back-to-back in the same week for the same team. There you go. Starting for the Dolphins on Sunday. Poor, poor Josh Rosen. Yeah. This isn't even his fault. But his offensive line is terrible. His team is actively tanking. And the Cowboys are pretty doggone good. And I will say this. For the first time in the history of us doing the cesspool challenge, I'm going to pick a guy that I'm also going to pray for it the night before because I hope he doesn't get killed. Josh Rosen <laughs> is my selection. So you're conflicted here is what you're saying. Well, I don't want to see him get hurt, and I'm fearful he might, but I'm going to pick him. I didn't see you praying for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Were you hoping he would get hurt? He's old. I don't care about him. Josh is a He's young. Made his money. Yeah, Josh is an impressionable young man. I don't want to see him get hurt, but anyway, I'm going to pick him because they're playing the Cowboys, and the Dolphins are just such a lock to be awful. Yep. So that is the quarterback cesspool challenge for this week, and the standings show that Jonathan and Rami are both tied with one win apiece. Jonathan and Rami both also are up for a punishment because they both finished last in the other weeks. You, you do know next Thursday when we go through this exercise, somebody's going to have to pick Cousins because it's going to make sense. At Chicago? Yes. That defense, and, that and offensive gonna, line. And you think about it, so we're picking for 17 weeks, right. so you're going to have to pick some. You're, you're not going to get Trevor Simeon or Luke Falk in your lap every week. Well, so you, I don't know with how many quarterbacks are just falling this season. Oh, that's true. I thought about picking Teddy Bridgewater this week. <laughs> well, you had to. I gave it some thought. Mm-hmm. So is he going to... So he's going to play, but Taysom Hill's going to have a package of plays, and Sean Payton won't say who's going to start? Yeah. He's going with the old college thing, Payton is? Pretty much, yeah. Who just else let, did you guys just have on your list? Uh, I was probably not listening. I only had two on my list because I was picking second, Yeah, and the other guy was Luke Falk. Okay. The other guy I've got uh, that, that I didn't use is the Carolina starter, who's going to start in place of Cam Newton, I almost certainly. I should have lied. If I had told you that Sam Darnold was going to play, what would you have done? <laughs> I still would have researched, but... If I had said, oh no, like news just came out that Sam Darnold's going to play so that I could have taken Luke Falk. All, just so you guys are clear, all's fair in love and cesspool. The quarterback cesspool challenge, Well, first of all, no rules. Jonathan should never have asked you to do that, and so I feel like he gave you the opportunity to lie yeah. and take advantage. Um, Kyle Allen, I guess, is the guy's name from, from the Panthers. Who, who's going to start? Kyle, Kyle Allen? Kyle Allen, I believe. Hold on a who second. Are these, like, who is right Luke Falk? I didn't even know who Gardner Minshew was until I saw I never heard Uncle Rico at a press conference two weeks ago. Who, who are Dallas these random dudes? We, we had to, uh, when I was on with Collar and, um, and our guy Cooper Alex Rush? Brown. Cooper Rush? Have you ever heard of Cooper Rush? No. He's never, the, these are just like made up Where people. did he go to college? Hold on a second. Cooper I got, Rush? The, the state of quarterback play right now, man. <laughs> It's, it's got awful. me real concerned. Cooper Rush is a six foot three, two hundred twenty five pound human being. 
He uh, he's got a beard. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. I for PJ. No, that's Western Michigan. Oh, never mind. He's a twenty-five year old Michigan guy. directional schools. Directional Michigan. Was he schools? drafted? But I've never heard Eastern, of Western. Central. I've never heard of until now when I googled it. Cooper Rush in my life. Have you? I think what's happening is Never. backup quarterbacks are so like you're so screwed if you if if your starting quarterback goes down in the NFL. There's there's like 20 guys who can play quarterback in the NFL. So now teams are just going with the funniest names and personalities for their backups. Oh, Gardner Minshew. I mean, I guess we're screwed anyway. Let's just put him out there with a headband. Should we take happens. a porn star or this Gardner? <laughs> let's take a guy who showed up both a porn star and a quarterback. Okay, let's take Gardner Minshew. That's amazing. Um, so hey, real quick. Uh, Saw this tweet come across during the commercial break that Royce Lewis is playing in the Arizona Fall League, which I think starts tonight. There's Started last night. Last night? Okay, yep. so there's a game happening. Yep. And he is playing center field tonight in the Arizona Fall League. He yep. also played eight innings there in the regular season, so they kind of dabbled. Mm-hmm. But I think that directly correlates with how the organization feels about its center field situation after always injured Byron Buxton, right? It's not like, I don't think, like Lamont Wade is a backup. Right. Ryan Lamar is a guy that they picked Ryan up with waivers. Ryan Lamar will not be back, yeah. And Max Kepler is not a center fielder. He just plays there sometimes. Right. Eddie Rosario is not a center fielder. They don't really have a guy in center field, a, like a true potential starting caliber center fielder outside of Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm wondering, is this the Twins saying, hey, Polanco's at short right now, and... uh Second base is Luis Arise, probably, long-term at this point, right? Royce Lewis, you're playing center field. But doesn't it make perfect sense? If you have Buxton, it's been how long now? He can't stay on the field. And and there's no way that you can go to him unless he signs for dirt cheap and retain him long-term. He's here through, what, 2000? He, I believe, does not become a free agent. or He's here through 22. 22. So at that point in time... If this continues to, he's never going to play anyway. What's he going to play? 69 games a year or something like that? This makes perfect sense. I love it. I love it. Get creative. Because ultimately, man, if Buxton could stay healthy and play, he's phenomenal. But you now, you are now to the point where this isn't just sort of fluky. This isn't just, just ah, he's out again, but he'll be back. You've got to go into every year saying, what's the other plan? And Max Kepler... Cannot play there long term. He just can't. No, he's a he is a very solid right fielder. But asking him to try to play to, to move that much, it hurts him. It's ridiculous. So if this is the plan, good for them. They need a backup plan here now. And now if, if or if, a long term plan, I should say. And maybe the the plan is, hey, he can play shortstop, second base, or center field. I mean, think about how valuable you are. Just keep to shifting him. Positions. Just shift him around. I mean, just. But literally, you don't know right at this point. You don't know. You better prepare him to pretend if he can play center field. You better prepare him for center fields because, sure. like you said, Byron Buxton's not penciled in for 150 games. So interesting, something to watch in the Arizona Fall League. Although I think his bat is the like this dude hit 238 uh, between high A and double A this season. He had a terrible start. It was he really was bad. awful, and then he was terrible. And then I believe he got hot at A at Fort Myers and got promoted to a Chattanooga eventually. He was bad at Chattanooga, but there was a long stretch there at A where he was just not good. Yeah, I would be I'd be a little worried if I was the Twins about the drop off with the bat. Yeah, he's only twenty, and it happens. So who's the shortstop drop off? Who's the long term shortstop here? Is that person here? Um, Royce Lewis should be. 
He should be your long-term shortstop. But let's say he's being moved. Let's say he gets moved. I feel like he's only being moved as a as an emergency for the next couple years. I think they still want him to be the long-term shortstop. But it's possible that if Luis Arise is your long-term second baseman, that they do leave Polanco at short. Because I don't think Luis Arise is going to be your long-term shortstop. I can't shortstop. decide on Polanco there. I like Polanco, but I can't decide on Polanco. Could Polanco be your long-term, and this might sound nuts, but could Polanco be your long-term left fielder? That does sound nuts. Okay. I don't like Polanco. I can't decide what to make of Polanco at shortstop. He's an infielder. As a long-term solution. He's an infielder. I would move him to third base before I would move him to an okay. outfield spot. That's fair. Um, because your outfield, your outfield situation is really interesting. Because you've got some of your top prospects in the minors right now are corner outfielders. Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirloff, yep. and Brent Rooker. Yep. And you got to think that at least one of those guys in the next couple years is going to is going to for sure pan out, yeah. and that would leave you with Kepler in one, Rosario in another, and then where? That's that's why they're probably going to wind up trading Rosario this yes. winter. Yes. No, I, I don't have any inside information. I'm just and they trained, recklessly speculating. And they they trained Kirloff at first base this year a little bit, right? Yeah. Do you think Do you think Rooker is here long term, or do you think he also might get put in a pitching package? I don't know. A He's, package for pitching. I corner say. outfielders are so easy to trade because right. they're so easy to sign. Think about even a few years ago before the you know, when it was the Terry Ryan front office. Uh, well, this is like seven years ago now, and man, Michael Kadire left. Man, our farm system is rough. Got to go find a corner outfielder. There's just always a Josh Willingham sitting on the free agent market that's going to hit you mean 30 home runs. Immo- immobile guy that can't really turn yeah. around and flip his hips and go catch the ball, yeah. but he can hit a lot of home runs. But like you can always draft a guy like that, move a guy to the outfield, or sign a guy like that. Um, so I, if if you could get pitching for corner outfield, if you could trade corner outfield prospects, or if you could trade Eddie Rosario for pitching, you should do it this winter. But the problem is other teams are smart to that, too, now. Right. It's not like 10 or 15 years ago where there's just like 10 yep. oblivious front offices. So This is why I think that there is an off chance that the guy that will get brought up in trade conversations quite a bit, Miguel. If you want real pitching. And the problem is you're probably going to lose at least two, if not three guys. Pineda now, as far as I'm concerned, is not back, right? He was previously, I thought, yeah. but I don't know now. Um. Odorizzi's a tough one. I can't decide if he if he would get paid or, or not, and I can't decide what they would pay him to stay here because I wouldn't break the bank for him, but I, I like him, and I think Kyle's gone. Yeah, you got to be done with Kyle. He's in his 30s. But that's There's three a... right there, and then I do think that you pick up the option on Martin Perez. Barrios is back. I think they'll pick up the option on Martin Perez. If Mar- Martin Perez has to be by far your worst starter, though. Like if Sure. Um, the, with Odorizzi, you can either do a qualifying offer, which is like $19 million, or a multi-year extension. That's tough. They really they really need to swing a trade because really like the options out there in free agency, even the internal guys, like Odorizzi is going to cost you $15-plus dollars, maybe a multi-year deal. Garrett Cole is going to cost you like 25 or $30 million a year, multi-six, seven-year contract. Yeah, so, he won't be here. Yeah, Angels will enjoy Garrett Cole. He'll be fine there. The Angels should sign Gary Cole. I, I think Mike go Trout's going to wind up retiring, playing in like four playoff games. Yeah, I know that's sad. Travesty. Let's talk some more. Uh, we'll talk some ball and some other things with Patrick Royce. We wrap with Royce every day on the show. Luther Brookdale Toyota has been helping my family for thirty plus years on the corner of six ninety four and Brook Boulevard. I like to peruse their website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, for a couple different things. You can always find new monthly specials in the service department and in the showroom area. You can find specials on. 2019 and 20 models, for instance, 
There is a, let's see here, 2019 Highlanders, 0% financing for 60 months. How about the 2019 RAV4 uh, LE four-wheel drive for $219 a month on a lease? Just $26.99 down? That's an outstanding, outstanding price. I prefer leasing because I just like every two or three years. You get new technology, you get new safety features, new bells and whistles. But stop by in person, open until 9 o'clock tonight, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, or peruse around the website and see if you can find a great deal on a pre-owned or new vehicle. I'm sure that you will. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here with this hour's download, powered by Modest Brewing Company. If you missed it today, we started off the show with Judd's case for benching Eddie Rosario after he failed to hustle for a play last night. He also wrote about it over at the website scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. So you can go read that article there, as well as all of our other great Twins coverage and Vikings coverage and Wolves coverage. Pretty much any Minnesota sports team playing, we've got coverage over at scorenorth.com, so go check that out over there right now. If you are going to a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing Company, located only two blocks from Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of -of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers. For a full menu of their craft beers, go to modestbrewing.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, Jonathan, thank you. Well, Pat... Eddie Rosario, much to judge chagrin, is in the lineup well, tonight. Kepler's MIA. He's never going to play again. How does it? Uh, how does it uh, feel, uh, feel to be working with Stephen A. Smith? <laughs> I think I think he is the the perfect combination of Bayless, of Clay Travis. Of... <laughs> he says she's he, he likes shocking takes. Shocking, Hot take shocking take guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. You got Ryan Lamar in the outfield and uh, Louis Arise uh, trying to play left field where he butchered one last night. Uh, and, uh, you're missing two thirds of your outfield and you want to take, you want to take out Eddie because, uh, he didn't run out of the box. Uh, he should, the big problem here was, okay, you didn't run out of the box. Stop at second. There's two outs. That True. was the big problem, but it would not as, Phil could tell you, and if you've been around Eddie at all, you could, uh, first of all, you could not play him tonight, which would uh, piss off his teammates and because uh, they want him in there. And it would have no impact on how he plays the game tomorrow. His Eddie. He's going to do what Eddie do, and that's not going to change. And uh, he's been at this for six years now, and this is what he does. He does not play he plays a very unique brand of baseball. This one last night isn't even in his top 20 base running screw-ups. Not even in his top 20. He, he has three of these a month that he uh, does that. That's just the way he plays the game. But he's now actually swinging the bat pretty good the last week after not not being that good for about six weeks. Not He'd gotten some hits, but he hadn't hit the ball hard. But he's been hitting the hard ball hard lately. You... You want to run for 152 games to get into this position and then punish your team because some guy got thrown out at third base. And by, by the way, Sano would have struck out next time. So <laughs> That's very negative of you. Come on, Miguel might have hit, hit a home run. We never know. Well, we do know because he came up and struck out. All right. Uh, well, at least, fi- at least find him substantially. I'd find him substantially. They don't well, you can't. Find baseball. They don't, listen. 
you can't go through the whole season for 152 games and be Mr. Positive and get yourself in this position. You just say, hey, Eddie, next time uh, let's uh, run out of the box and then know that there's a 50-50 chance he might. But it doesn't, uh, you know what you're getting with Eddie, and this is it. So, you know, he's Randy Moss. He's going to do what he do. Well, yeah, he's Randy Moss, but Randy Moss was very special. He, this this kid is not very special. That's my problem oh, really? with it. He's a nice no, player, no, he's but not, he's not he's not very special. Not very, he's not very special. They got a hundred. How many RBIs? Well, he's a good player, but Moss is a Hall of Famer, Patrick. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That's true. But anyway, you're right. Just stop at second base. Just stop. you're you're right. Just stop at second base. You you didn't. Hustle, that's okay, that's fine, but don't make it worse by going to third. That's where I think yeah, we can although agree. The, uh, although the White Sox guy did make it over twice. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, I, to me, it's, you know, you don't want to hurt yourselves by, uh, by getting all. And, you know, this is the modern baseball of the old. You know, we got a lot of old white boys that want him fined and suspended and all this crap. That's not, way, that's not the way they do it now. They uh, just, uh, you know, uh, you got to get him through a 162-game season with a good attitude. The guy had to screw up. You tell him he screwed up and he plays the ball and hits straight, and you hope he hits a double with the base loaded. That's, that's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, Pat, we see that Royce Lewis is penciled in to play center field in the Arizona Fall League tonight. That's kind of interesting. Yes. Now, I, uh, I have predicted that uh, he will be the opening day center field in 2021 for the Twins. I think that uh, when I started looking at him as a center fielder, a lot of people thought he was a center fielder. And with Buxton being as questionable as he is, uh, they're going to give Buxton one more year to uh, prove that he can uh, play to the finish line. And if not, uh, they're going to go in another direction, and it might be where he's lose. Who do you think, which which current, let's say, sort of established position players, do you think they're most likely to float in trades this winter? For pitching well, or whatever else? Uh, I was thinking uh, a couple months ago, Eddie. But uh, with uh, Buxton's injury history and now whatever was going on with Kepler, all of a sudden they need out to others. So I, I think they'll give Eddie one more year here. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll, uh, I don't, you know, None of the key guys that all be back, or, you know, obviously Plank will be back. All three of the outfielders will be back. Uh, Garver will be back. So, uh, yeah, Arise will be, you know. So I don't, I don't think any of those, I don't think any of those nucleus guys get traded for a pitcher, though. Who do you think is is the long term long term shortstop here? Polanco now, or do you think that he eventually gets moved as well? Not traded, but moved position wise. I don't know. I don't know uh, if Wander is going to be a great player or not. I don't know. What the, he hasn't been able to stay healthy either. Uh, they got they got about four shortstops that they like uh, that uh, you know are interesting. Like a lot of people think. I don't know how good this Miranda is as shortstop. He might be just more of a utility infielder. A lot of guys like his bat, but I, I think they got a bunch of uh, middle infielders. And you just going to have to see who emerges. But Lewis isn't out of the picture either. I mean, if Buckley sure. comes back next year and plays 145 games and steals. you know how many stolen bases these boys have since the All-Star break? Like 10? Three. 
Three? Well, Bucks did, three? Bucks had like 14, right? Yeah, 14 yeah. or 26. Yeah. Three. Man. Not, I'm not a big go, go, go guy, but three. I just don't know how many guys that you would look at and say green light, really. Oh, no, no, nobody. Nobody's green light, but once in a while you might understand a couple players that they don't do. Uh, I got a, a caller kind of misrepresented my uh, statement on uh, Cousins. I did not say that if he plays a lousy first quarter, he's going to get booed. I said Cousins reached the tipping point last week where now, previously, he would get booed with a bad pass or a three and out. He is now uh, set up for regular booing. He's, he's, mm-hmm. That was the tipping point, and now he will be routinely booed. He will be routinely booed when anything goes wrong with the offense. After that, he's got bashed up so bad. He's, and we've seen it with other quarterbacks. Saw it with Dante. Uh, it's it's not going to be special occasion booing like it was in the past. It's going to be regular booing now, starting. Uh, Sunday, uh, he could come out and throw for uh, 350 yards, and they could win by three touchdowns, and then he'll be back off probation. But he is on double-secret probation with the fans now, and they're going to show up on Sunday waiting for the opportunity to boo him. That's what I was saying. I think you're right, and I I think if he, in the first quarter, if we have a ball skip off the turf, that's where it's going to take off. Mm -hmm. So if he underthrows a... Do we still uh, uh, introduce lineups? Oh, they, they do, but they'll they'll. I guarantee you, the defense. Inter- they'll introduce the defense. Yes, sir. They'll introduce the defense. They will not introduce. They will not subject presence to that. But what I was telling Matthew is uh, he has now crossed that threshold. Where okay, there's cousins. We didn't, uh, you know, did drop the forty yard pass. We're gonna boo cousins. <laughs> Interesting how he handles that. Uh, he's playing this stuff self-deprecation role, which is uh, kind of hilarious. But it'll be if he, if he actually is getting booed to some degree of regularity. It'll be interesting to see how he handles. It. Yep. So uh, that'll be. I think. I, I think you're on to something there. Pat, we'll eat at him. We uh, we got about thirty seconds left, so we will say goodbye and talk to you tomorrow. See you, Patrick. All right. Yes. Uh, I think Cleveland might win tonight. Uh, they've won sixteen straight against. Tigers and they have uh, Clevenger pitching. Man, <laughs> sixteen straight, and I get that the Tigers are Stephen one of the worst teams ever, but yeah, Stephen A. A combination of Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Hey, I just want the guy to hustle, okay? Pat thinks we so are wrong? such hot take artists. Well, the Jalen Ramsey thing, I think, probably deep down drives him crazy. But his cousins, his cousins thing is right. And to his question, I think it will bother Kirk immensely. Oh yeah, like he's already bothered. I th- it's all in Kirk's head right now. Things get to Kirk. And I'm getting notes saying, you're so mean to Kirk, why are you so mean? I'm not. I just, what? it's observation. It's observational of what I see from him. Also, like, when you I, mean I like you're being mean, mean to him, he's making $30 million, and he's and he played like garbage on Sunday. I know. He'll be fine. By the way, he'll be fine yeah. in life if he and gets so criticized by a couple idiots and so with microphones. Kids, and so will his kids' kids. They'll all be you fine. You like that? You like that? Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. His his great great yeah. great 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 good, grandkids. Good for the cousins. You know what? The Wilfs have made you very rich. That's a you great. You like that? You like that? <laughs> but it will bother him a lot, a lot. Yeah, if he's booed. 
Thank you guys for listening. Coming up next, Major League Baseball on Score North. Cubs and Cardinals. If you enjoy our show, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, please give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. It helps spread the word about our uh, tomfoolery. I'm going to hustle to the yard. You hear that? I'm going to hustle to the yard. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. We'll see. Once you run a red red light, we'll see how much you hustle. See how much you like, Eddie. See you guys. (laughs) There's a lot of broiness going on, man. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.